Hi there, this is Dr. Naidu from Do Better MD and Thinking It Through with Dr. Naidu, child psychiatrist. So for today's Fix It Friday, I just want to respond to a question that I received about an Instagram reel that I have been doing for Mental Health Awareness Month. And the question was, how do we handle, how do we advise young people to handle having suicidal thoughts without any action or plan? So in reflecting um, on my work, I don't know if I've actually done a podcast episode about suicidal thoughts, their distinctions, and their differences. So to answer this question, I'm going to talk about that a little bit today, and then I'm going to talk about the evidence that we have for interventions for suicidal thoughts alone. I can talk about this for a very, very long time, but I'm going to make this short so that uh, this can be easily digested and just give a start for thinking about uh, the process of suicidal thinking. So as a psychiatrist, as someone who is an expert in doing assessments for all sorts of mental health disorders, when we do an assessment for mental health disorders, we always will ask about something called suicidal thinking, what we call suicidal ideation, intention, and plan. So suicidal thinking, suicidal um, motivation and um, will, and then the action plan for trying to end their life. And then we also ask about any prior attempts or any other times that someone has tried to actually go forward with ending their life. So with this distinction, you can have all sorts of variations. Um, you can have the ideation without a plan or intention. You can have a clear plan without a clear intention or will. But usually if you have a plan, there is a prior thought, a suicidal ideation. And very often teenagers and young people will have phases where they'll think about the idea of not wanting to be alive. They'll think about the purpose of their lives and whether they have a purpose. And they'll think about the value of their lives and whether they want to be here or not. There are many different ways a young person might talk about not wanting to be here, but that may not necessarily mean wanting to kill themselves or wanting to do something to die. So that whole arena is very nuanced in terms of assessment. And as a psychiatrist, we ask many different kinds of questions to figure that out, whether these thoughts about death are more what we call existential or passive, or if they are more active, or something where a person wants to take some action to do something to not be alive. When someone has a feeling of wanting to act on it, that's when we call it active. And when it seems like um, a young person has many different risk factors included in their thought process, as well as other things going on in their life, we may deem someone to be imminent or very, very highly to do something very soon, which is called imminent risk. And these are all things that we as a psychiatrist and mental health care providers of all kinds, social workers, therapists, counselors, psychologists, um, case managers will all do these assessments on this very different type of thinking to really parse apart where they're at on the spectrum of not wanting to be here, dark thoughts and suicide. So let's say to answer this particular question that a young person just has suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation, 
I'm going to call this SI. So that means, let's say I've talked to a young person and it's very clear they don't have a plan of something they want to do to end their life, but they have been thinking about death and thinking about actively doing something, feeling like they want to do something to end their life or to not be alive. But they're not going to do anything right now. They don't have any plan, but they've been thinking and feeling that maybe they really should. Maybe they want to. That is active SI, active suicidal ideation, without intention or plan, which is very common in people who are depressed, people who are stressed, people who go through various life changes and situations, and um, people who want to escape certain situations because it is so tough. So how do we handle that kind of thinking, suicidal ideation? It's really challenging. It's a challenge for all mental health care providers. And it's a challenge because what really helps with these thoughts are different types of therapies and different types of ways of working on your mind. So I'm going to go through a couple of these patterns of therapy that have some evidence to help with suicidal thinking. So one of those is called DBT, or Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. This was started by Marsha Linenhan. She's a, a psychologist, uh, and she has worked very hard for a very long time to develop a certain way of thinking and working on the mind. DBT helps suicidal ideation, or SI, by building up what they call distress tolerance skills, or coping skills certain actions to distract your mind to re-reflect how you're thinking and to cope with uncomfortable feelings and wait it out until those feelings pass there are many different techniques within dbt to do this but that is the main way they tackle suicidal ideation because when someone has suicidal ideation when someone has these thoughts come to them it's typically not welcome. It's typically not something they feel good about. People feel really stressed, really anxious, really upset, really frustrated, really out of control. How could I have this thought? Especially for people who are intelligent and otherwise really well-functioning. When these kinds of thoughts come into your mind, it's out of the blue and it could be really, really jarring to deal with. So the DBT modality of finding ways to cope with stress finding a way to distract yourself, and finding ways to tolerate being uncomfortable can really go a long way because every thought comes and goes. Every single thought. Even thoughts that seem like I'm hungry, they come and go. I want to use the bathroom, it comes and goes. Um, I feel good about myself, comes and goes. And the same thing with suicidal thoughts, they come and they go. So DBT is one form of evidence-based therapeutic intervention to help with suicidal thoughts. Another group is called CBT, or Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. This was created by uh, Dr. Aaron Beck, who is a psychiatrist. It has been used mainly by several psychologists in many modalities to help with many different types of um, mental health challenges, anxiety, um, OCD, psychosis even, but for um, suicide, there is a specific framework within CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy that addresses that. With cognitive behavioral therapy, as the word says, cognition is thoughts. How are you thinking? 
So CBT addresses a negative thought pattern, a cognitive distortion is what they call that, and works on that thought distortion, the twisted thought, and finds a way to re uh, kind of twist it out and straighten it out so that the thought serves you better. And there are various ways to do that. But CBT um, has a, a particular form that deals specifically with suicide and suicidal thinking. So those are two evidence-based formalities for working with um, suicidal ideation. The last thing I'm gonna bring up is something called CAMS, which is called Collaborative Assessment and Management of Suicidality. This is a very particular structured form of psychotherapy um, that is assessed a certain way, and then um, therapy is done with a little bit more flexibility to go after what is called a driver. The thought behind the CAMS or Collaborative Assessment and Management of Suicidality is that the clinician and the patient work together, work collaboratively to figure out the story behind suicide and the driving factors for suicide. So once the identification of those drivers to push up suicidal thoughts are um, discovered, that is the target for therapy. And that target is what's worked on with whatever modality to really help bring down what's pushing up suicidal thinking to begin with. Um, there's very strong evidence in adults. There is emerging evidence in teenagers. And I myself do use CAMS very often when I'm assessing a young person and really trying to assess them in a way that also promotes them thinking about how they can be an agent of change for themselves. So these are three therapeutic modalities that have strong evidence to help with suicidal thoughts. While we're on this topic, I'm going to briefly talk about medication. It is not yet clear how helpful medications are in absolutely reducing suicidal ideation. The medications we typically use for depression, which are the SSRIs, the serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, um, this is fluoxetine, um, excitalopram, citalopram, paroxetine, um, sertraline. These medications are very often used kind of like how the drivers are used in CAMS. They don't overtly treat suicidal thinking. They treat the depression or the anxiety that's underneath that brings up the suicidal thinking. So in that way, it can help with suicidal thinking, but it does not overtly and directly do that. There are only two medications that are known to do that. The first medication is called clozapine. It is um, an antipsychotic medication, a neuroleptic medication that has many, um, many side effects. So we don't use it in um, a first-line treatment at all for youth or for adults because there are very strict ways to provide this medication that need to be monitored. But this medication has some evidence to address suicidal thinking, as well as a medication called lithium. Lithium is a salt. Um, it is has been used for a very, very long time, but it too does have side effects and needs to be prescribed with a certain protocol and with an expert uh, psychiatrist or medical professional that can monitor lithium, its levels, and its effectiveness in a person. But these are the only two medications that are known to really address suicidal thinking itself. So these are some ways that a, a person can, with evidence-based practice, address suicidal thinking or SI itself. 
What I always encourage young people to do if they are experiencing suicidal thoughts and the distress of having suicidal thoughts is to remind yourself that one, your thoughts are not your whole mind. Your thoughts are a component of your mind. And the person that is experiencing suicidal thoughts and responding in a distressed way can be somewhat reassured that there are other thoughts and other emotions in response to suicidal thoughts. And those responses, you being distressed, anxious, upset that this thought is even there, tells you that you very much want to be alive. You very much want more than just that suicidal thought to become to fruition. So I remind young people to practice separating the thought from the observer of thought, and that thoughts are not action. I encourage young people to consider their own affirmation or positive phrase or mantra to state to themselves that is grounding, reaffirming, and helpful to create that space between their thought, their action, and their emotion. Because one of the factors that make these thoughts so distressing for people is that it feels very much out of control. So reminding ourselves that there is a space between our thoughts and ourselves, there is a space between our thoughts and our minds, that is the start of having a little bit more control of our emotions as well as our thoughts. So those are some keys that I would remind young people to consider. And of course, right, we're talking about suicidal thinking. This is a very difficult topic, but I think it's really critical because we know that suicide is on the rise for young people in terms of thoughts and in terms of attempts. So my hope is that this gives the listener a little bit more clarity about how suicidal thoughts may occur in someone and how they are different than action. And to remember that if this thought is distressing and you cannot tolerate it, you must find a mental health care provider or your own medical provider. This could be your pediatrician, your family care doctor, your primary care doctor, or if you do have a team like a therapist, a psychiatrist, a counselor, please do share this with them. If you don't have that team and these thoughts get out of control, I want you to call the National Suicide Hotline, which is 988. This is a hotline that anybody can call at any point and based on the area code that you're calling from will connect you to help. 988 is very, very easy to remember. There's also a texting hotline, 741741. That's a fantastic hotline to help young people connect to someone via text. They don't have to talk to make sure that they're safe. I want you to always make sure that you follow the recommendations of your medical providers and always make sure that you are doing what you need to to keep yourself safe. I hope that this information was helpful to remind young people listening that whether or not they have thoughts that make them uncomfortable, there is help here. There's help on the way. And there are many avenues for you to reach out for help. And thoughts are separate than action. Thoughts are very powerful. But we can learn to understand our thoughts, as frightening as they may be, and manage them better. This is Dr. Naidu from Do Better MD, Know Better, Do Better, Feel Better. And thank you so much for joining me on this Fix It Friday to work on thoughts and understand more about suicidal thoughts in uh, honor of September Suicide Prevention Month. Thank you so much.